Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. So this Sunday is week one in our You Asked For It series, where we are going to attempt to answer questions that you have asked us throughout the week. Um, and we're going to have this morning, if you like, oh, I totally had a question about our topic today, which is 9 to 5, the work week. And we're going to call it 9 to 5, redeeming work. Redeeming work. We're going to redeem the 9 to 5 with God's help. And I want you to understand that every time you go to work, you're going to your mission field. I don't know if you understand that. Uh, this morning, but I pray that by the time you leave, you will have a fresh perspective, a fresh outlook about what God wants to do and how He wants to use you. And when, when we are young, we grow up dreaming about what we want to do when we grow up. I don't know if you remember, but my mom had this keepsake book. And every year, like grade one, I put like my grade one school photos and there would be this thing that I would fill out. And it actually says, what do you want to be when you grow up? I remember grade one, two, and three, it was like firefighter, construction worker. It sounds like my son now. And uh, by grade five and six, it was like professional soccer player. And uh, all of these other things. And then later on, as I grew older, it became harder and harder to actually pinpoint what it was that I actually wanted to do. The reason... As young kids, we have all these fun, exciting things that we want to do. Is because we were created to work. Did you know that? We were created to work. That's why as young kids, my son dreams about becoming a literal Bob the Builder construction man. The first day construction started at church, the first Sunday. He's like, Dad, before we leave, I have to run to the basement. I was like, why? And he said, I have to get my construction hat my work belt, and my tools, and my bag. And for those of you who remember, he showed up to church dressed not like Bob the Builder. He says, I'm Josiah. I'm a construction, construction worker. And he was dead serious. He said, no, I have to help Nunzio today. I was like, okay, that's awesome. Um, and, and we were, as young children, and all of us, more than likely, had that same uh, memory of what we want to be. And it was exciting. Why? Because we were created to work. And now, when you meet someone new as an adult, right, what are the first two things you tend to ask them? What is your name? And then maybe after a few more paragraphs or sentences in, you're like, and so what do you do for a living? And that is a question we still ask and want to know and are interested in as adults. Why do, why? Because a part of us was created to work. We usually associate work with the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. But in Genesis 1, we see that work was given to man to do even before the fall. I don't know if you realize that. I had that mentality too until I actually reread the scriptures in Genesis 1 and 2. Because we know that after Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, what happened? God said, for women, sorry, but having babies is going to be hard work. And men, you're going, to, you're going to work the soil. So we always associate work to the fall or to, to sin. 
But I want to show you two scriptures in Genesis that show that even before that happened, that God actually told us it was our responsibility to take care of the earth, of the world. Genesis 1.28. If you have your Bible, you can turn there and stand with me as we read it. We're going to read two verses together. Genesis 1.28. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. And here's what it says. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then flip to Genesis 2.15. And in the ESV, it says this, Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. To work it and keep it. And so he has designed work for his glory and our good. Would you join me in pray? Father, we thank you today for your word. God, I thank you that your word is truth. And I pray today that we would just find fresh inspiration for the nine to five. Every day we get up and go to work. Lord, even those who are possibly praying for a job. Father, that we would remember every good thing comes from the Father of lights. And God, we give you glory today. We thank you that, Lord, even for those who've been without a job for a period of time. Lord, you are the one who opens doors that no man can open. And you're the God who closes doors that no man can can open. So God, we give you glory today. We thank you that you have a plan and a purpose. Now I pray that you would let it be fulfilled in our lives in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. So he has designed work. God has designed work for his glory and our good, his glory and our good. You see, God promises us joy. It's one, one of the fruit of the spirit. He didn't just promise joy for us to have joy at home and at church. This is a a good wake-up call for some of us. But we are to, to let that joy come out wherever we are. And so some of us today, I pray God challenges us that we're going to have even more fun than we ever imagined in the 9 to 5. And God is going to help us. The ultimate purpose. See, there are two ways of looking at life and and work. It's, what is my ultimate purpose? Why did God put me on the earth? What what is the big picture of my life? But then there's the developmental process in your life. Developmental process. Those things tend to be for for a season. And then you take a a new turn for a season. I worked at FedEx for a year and a half. And guess what? It was a developing process for me. I learned things that I never knew before. I even learned where the line is between I'm saved and I'm about to lose my sanctification when I wanted to throw the boxes around in my truck when I was frustrated. And trust me, those that happened almost every single day. And I had to learn this is for a season. 
God, you're, you're actually teaching me something. I never woke up that early in my life. Monday, my, my alarm would ring at 3 a.m. And I would hop out of bed and start work at 4 a.m. on a Monday. Usually Monday is the hardest day. But it was the, the earliest day for me of the week that I had to wake up and go to work. It taught me things that... And I said, Lord, I, I, I just want to quit. Literally, if Priscilla was able to be with us today, and I would hand her the mic, she would tell you, we were just dating... My mentality was, I'm going to just work till Christmas for two months, and then I'm done at FedEx. It was rough. And I, I, the waking up early in Montreal, winter is brutal. It was like minus 25 at least every single morning. And at 3 a.m., 3.30 a.m. when I had to leave, guess what? The steering wheel was not warm. It was frozen. And I had to hold it for half an hour while I drove to work. And every morning on the way to work... I literally had to tell myself, you say, how did you make it? Tell me the secret. I literally said, I'm anointed to live this life. And I, and I literally, I spoke that over myself every single day that I went to work. And the only reason I ended up quitting FedEx a year and a half later was for ministry. And God answered my prayer, but it was a developing stage. So again, the two things. One is the big picture, the ultimate purpose of my life. And then there are these micro-seasons where God wants to develop us. And it's oftentimes a process. So it's step one is here. Step two could be like down here. But God, this is not my intended purpose in life. Step three is a little different. But I believe in the process, as God leads you left and then leads you right, He's actually giving you every tool you need for your ultimate purpose. And it's important that we recognize that. So certain things I can't develop apart from work. Like punctuality. Work taught me you cannot show up late. Because I was, like no one was there at 4 a.m. I was the first person there. I had to take from my frozen car, get in a frozen truck, and drive straight to the airport. And then the plane would show up. And if I wasn't there, no packages would come back to my facility because I was the guy. And I had to be there. So certain things I, I could not learn apart from work. The discipline and the punctuality. Working together with people as colorful and different as we all are. And one of the questions we received uh, deals a little bit with that. And we'll get to that in just a minute. God calls us to certain jobs and occupations, not just because it's connected to our ultimate purpose, but like we said, so we can develop the character qualities. Everyone say that with me. Character qualities. Alright? So we can develop the character qualities that will benefit us in our ultimate purpose. So, may we not get so frustrated... If we're working a 9 to 5 job, that kind of seems useless, uh, pointless, something that we hate, something that really we don't see it as being connected to our ultimate purpose. But maybe we can ask God, what is your intended purpose for this step in my life, for this phase in my life? God showed me a lot. Also, when I worked at FedEx, I learned that the grind of 9 to 5 is real. And, and you have to hustle when you're working. There's no time to, to be lax. And while you're, while you're working, you still have to be who you are in Christ. And we're going to get to that later. 
um, to close off this morning. And that's, that's the hardest part probably for a lot of us is we, we love coming to church, but at work it tends to push different buttons that no one at church pushes. And we see a, a person that we never saw on a Sunday. And, and then Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday, depending on your work schedule, even if you work Sunday nights or who knows what, um, we're going to ask God to help us. Because we are His ambassadors, the Bible tells us. And we're going to read a few more scriptures later. But this morning and throughout the month of September, we're going to be putting together, it might look a little different week to week, but a, a small panel of people who will answer the questions that you have posed. And you can, we have, um, Ben, can you put up that slide right here? So if you missed the opportunity to actually email your questions, if you want to email next week, I believe uh, we said the topic is, let me get it right, money matters, money matters. And so you can ask questions on money, the kingdom, tithes and offerings, as, as uh, you might have a, a burning question about this, or, or how does money and God's kingdom actually work? Uh, is it wrong for a Christian to be successful and wealthy? Any, I don't want to try to like inception, you know, put questions and then you ask the ones that we want. Um, but seriously, consider what are some stumbling blocks you may have had. And next week, we're going to put together a panel that will help answer those questions you have. And obviously, we are guided in our responses always by the Word of God. So that's for next week. But you can email info at westonroadchurch.com. But for today's purpose, if you're like, oh man, I, I really want to ask a question now about 9 to 5. And I wish I would have had the opportunity. It's not too late. You can text that number on the screen. And you simply write your question. And Spencer, I'm going to give you my device. And here you go. And any question that comes in, Spencer is going to be our moderator. And he'll help uh, field the questions. But I'm going to introduce our panel for today. Um, the first person we have is Karen Madho. I'm going to invite you to come up. Would you give her a hand as she comes? Now, Karen, um, I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm just going to invite you to come and just tell us what you currently do for work. So I work in public relations for a not-for-profit. Sorry. A little more here. I work in public relations for a not-for-profit organization. And we are honored, firstly, to have you, because it takes a lot of guts to be able to say, sure, I'll come answer questions that I potentially don't even know what they are yet. Um, and so thank you for being willing to do this. Uh, we trust that uh, the questions we receive, you're able to just speak, number one, from your experience, but also obviously from a, a biblical Christian perspective. So you can just find your seat right up there, the first chair. Yes. And then the second person we have is Abraham Martinez. Give him a hand. And um, just everyone knows you as the worship leader, but not from the 9 to 5, possibly. So tell us what you do. Uh, well, actually, as of uh, about a month ago, I'm a sales manager at a Volkswagen dealership. So that's what... Uh... And how old are you? I'm 26. Okay. So why did I have to point that out? Not the fact that he's single. <clears throat> 
But because, because we're talking about nine to five, a lot of people think, well, millennials are lazy. Millennials don't work hard. Um, actually, on the job site, there, there's a bit of a stigma with the, some of the younger workers because uh, uh, the older workers say, these young guys, they don't know what hard work means. And in Italian, there's an expression that um, Nunzio taught me. It's push a buttoni. They just know how to push a button on a screen or on a phone. But um, Abraham, you're, you're, I think, an example to many of us that age is not what determines success in the workplace. Uh, but maybe you can answer those questions, uh, but give us insight. But I think just your willingness to work hard, to be full of integrity, and, and to do it as unto the Lord. So thanks for being willing to do this. And uh, I'm going to be on the panel myself just to offer my help and uh, whatever I've learned. And Spencer, I'm going to invite you to come. We have, let me get the questions for you. They should be on the screen, and I have them here as well. My name is Jonathan. I'm a senior pastor at Weston Road Pentecostal Church. And I never in a million years thought that I would be the one leading our church, especially through a rental project, but leading a church in general, because I never thought that I had what it takes, and I still don't think I do. I have the one who makes it all happen, Jesus. So, Awesome. Let's start with question number one. I'll just read it from there. Um, it says, I prayed for a job. God gave it to me, but now I hate it. What should I do? <laughs> So this actually happened to me. Um, the first time our church was going through the, um, the fasting period, uh, me and Mike, my husband, as many of you may know, were talking about it for months and preparing, and I didn't really understand fasting at that time. I would, I would say I was really a very junior Christian at that point in time, and it was only a few years ago. Um, so as I was, we were talking about it, we were reading scripture, we were you know, learning through our sermons why we were doing it, I finally realized yeah, there's some stuff I need to ask God for in, in, in my work life. And I thought, like, this is it. I can't do anything more. I've been doing everything I possibly can to change things for my situation. And I'm going to just do it. Let's, let's just see what happens. And it was, <laughs> it was pretty funny because, like, the Sunday before we were going to start, we were going to start on the Monday. Um, you know, I just I prayed and then went to bed. I woke up in the morning and... Um, I kind of felt like God said, just do it, like go apply for that job that I had in my mind. And later that morning, someone called and said, I'm looking for someone in this particular role. Do you know anyone? And it was someone I knew. And I thought, yeah, that's me. <laughs> so I got that job. I was working for someone I have always wanted to work for. And it was wonderful. It was almost like being like the perfect job. I, she was very supportive. I got a chance to learn things. And then and then she quit. <laughs> so the person who kind of, you know, um, set me up with this job quit. And then things started to change because there were lots of changes. Um, her replacement, they didn't replace someone right away. And her replacement was someone who wasn't quite um, ready for that job, I think. And I started to hate it. And I had just taken a contract. And I left a full-time job to do it. And I was like, <sighs> I'm like free-falling. And I just... I just started praying. I was just praying and praying and praying. And I spent a lot of time, like, I, I didn't really know where to look in Scripture, but I was pretty anxious, so I kept 
relying on Philippians 4, 6 about not, not being anxious and thanking God. So I, I thought, okay, what do I have to thank God about? I'm like in a mess now. I mean, I come to work and this person, everything I do isn't good enough. I've been doing it for years. I went to school for it and it's still not good enough. And, and I thought, I'm, I'm going to go crazy by the end of this next month or something. And I just, I just kept praying about it. And I, you know, I, as time went on, I started to get some peace about it. And I thought, well, I made this change. Like, I quit that other job. I, I took this on. And, you know, it's, it's, maybe there's something better for me in all of this. And maybe this challenge is supposed to teach me something. And that's where I started to feel better because I started to realize that, I mean, I'm sure I didn't come up with it myself. I'm sure God spoke to me about it. But I started to realize that the things I was getting to do were things I, they were stretch, they were stretch things. I was learning how to do things. I was really struggling learning how to do them. But I actually got a chance to do these things I'd wanted to do, but didn't have the opportunity in my other job. So I just held on to that. I just held on to that. And I just redoubled my efforts and just, just kept focusing on that. And, and that's what got me through. But essentially, I focused on, okay, where is this going to take me? I didn't know where it was going to take me because I wanted to leave right away. But it really made me grow. I won't take up more. We can talk about more of it later. <laughs> so can you repeat the question one more time? <laughs> I prayed for a job. God gave it to me. But now I hate it. What should I do? So uh, very similar experience. Um, a couple of years ago, I, uh, I was at my current workplace. And... Um, I had, I had received several offers that I, I never would have imagined, but um, I, there was one particular role that I wanted at, at uh, the workplace that I was at, and um, you know, so I, I declined those offers, and uh, I was technically you know, promised something at, at the workplace that I was at, and um, you know, it, it took a very long time. It took a lot of patience, but uh, eventually, you know, what I waited for ended up happening. Um, but uh, basically, same thing happened. I, I hated it. It was not what I, was ex- what I expected. It's not what I was promised. It's not, um, it, it's not what it should have been, and it's not what I, I envisioned. And um, I, I did hate what I was doing. My, my income was not what, what uh, I was expecting and what I was told it would be. And it just seemed that I had made the wrong decision. And I I kept looking back at, oh my goodness, well, this and this offer, if I would have taken this and I would have taken that. And, you know, it was a a really difficult time because it just seemed like nothing was going uh, in in the direction that I was hoping. And uh, it it ended up being more of an internal struggle as well because I I started realizing I I was... turning away from what God had directed for Christians to live, the fruits of the spirit and all that. I was, you know, I was angry. I was upset. And that was reflecting in, in, uh, in my work. And it wasn't until I got back on track and I, and I, I made a decision because I, I believe it's a decision to, to live out the fruits of the spirit and, and to choose to have joy instead of, you know, be upset or, or angry. And then all of a sudden things just started coming back together and, and everything I had expected and waited for, for over, you know, a year, year and a half started playing out, but it, it, I had to align myself with what God's word says as far as, uh, what we are supposed to do. So, um, again, it, that, that question, you know, if we hate something, 
um, I personally think, cause, uh, again, I've, I've experienced that, it, we have to look inside and, 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 and question why are we hating it? Is it, is it you know, something spiritual that we're dealing with that is causing us to hate you know, where we're at in life? Because if we truly believe that God has a plan uh, and God's will is perfect, then what we are doing, and as long as it's God's will, then we, you know, we, if we stay on the right path with the right attitude and, and with the fruits of the Spirit, I think uh, God will take us where, where he wants us to be. For me, I, um, I liken it to how Israel wanted a king. It wasn't God's plan, but he said, okay, fine, if, if that's what you want, here you go. And Saul was the one that they really wanted and God allowed it to happen. So when I interpret the question, I prayed for a job. Is it a specific job that you prayed for and now you got it and now you hate it? Um, because maybe God in his goodness said, okay, if you want it that badly, here you go. And I would say, well, you asked for it, number one. The other side or the other interpretation is I prayed for a job very general, saying, God, I leave it up to you. And then if God brought you to the job, as opposed to you asking for a specific one, then I would say, trust him wholeheartedly. As much as you might hate it, trust him. Say, God, show me what your bigger plan is. And uh, every single day, like I had to do at FedEx, I didn't like being there. I just simply reminded myself, no, I am anointed to live this life. Another way I've heard it put is, I'm anointed to accomplish my assignment. I'm anointed to accomplish my assignment. And I think it doesn't matter if you hate it or not. If you remember that it might be just for a season, um, God might be ready to do something new. And maybe it's just about a, a matter of the obedience of faith to trust God. Awesome. Before we get to the next question, I don't know if everyone can see the number on the screen. It's six four seven nine nine four two one one one. If you have a question, um, or if any conversation sparks a question, don't be afraid. You can use your phone in church today. All right, next question. How do I work with colleagues who hold to very different morals? How do I work with colleagues who hold to very different morals? So that's hard. <laughs> Sometimes I'm in reporting to my CEO and choose the F word quite a lot. <laughs> it's a frustrating time sometimes. Um, and I think for me, I'm always thinking, like, should I say something? Should I, you know, like, should I take a stand? And it's a small organization-ish, so I'll probably lose it at my job. Um, but I also realize that over time, having worked with her for, I think it's almost three years now, she actually tries to not say the F word in bad language when she's with me. Like, she'll, she'll be talking about something, she'll tell me about, like, a frustrating situation that she wants my advice on, and then she'll let out one of these words, and then she'll look at me and go, sorry. So she, she actually has changed her behavior for when she's around me, is what I started sure. to realize. I don't know how long it's happened, but it came to me one day about a year ago and I was like like how did I actually change her behavior she has authority over me and you know the entire organization so I think just remember who you are like just kind of get centered about who you are and um, you know just try to be the best you you can be like you're a Christian you're in there 
you're representing Jesus to these folks, and they may or may not know Jesus, and you really can't get too in the weeds about that stuff. Like, you know, I'd love to take a stand every day, <laughs> but it, it, it maybe not be may not be the right time but it's so funny how people will actually notice um, that you bring that to the table you come to work you come to work on time you do your job you put in your best they notice uh, even your boss notices so I, I, I would just basically encourage people to just be who you are be your Christian self um, you know don't be judgmental just really just just try to stick to who you are you never know when someone will actually change their behavior or actually think about it, because I didn't know. And then one day she actually said, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to swear around you. And that, that's where I realized it, which who knows how long she'd stopped doing it before I realized it. But just, you know, we just got into conversation, and, and I was, like, looking at her, and I thought, should I say something? And I just kind of, like, I don't know, I just, I just went neutral because I didn't know what else to say. And, and then she just continued our conversation and our meeting, and she didn't swear through the rest of it, as far as I could remember, so... So with, with this question, I, I, what, the story that comes to mind for me is uh, the story of Joseph. Um, despite everything he had gone through and despite where he was in his life, you know, a servant in, in um, the house of Potiphar, that, the situation where Potiphar's wife, you know, came to him and that, you know, that was a perfect opportunity for Joseph to look and say, you know what, God, God has basically abandoned me, I, you know, you know, this might be an opportunity for me to, uh, you know, have access to things that I would never have access to or, or you know, um, whatever he, he could have thought at the time. But he didn't. He, despite where he was at, he, he still held to his faith and to what he believed in, despite what that could lead to. And it led to, you know, even a worse off situation than, than where he had come from. So, um, I mean, it, it's, it's difficult but again, God rewards faithfulness, and um, and and again, when we persevere for Christ, there's you know no greater reward. It might not always be uh, in this life, but um, many times it is. Right? You see people that go through very difficult times, Christians, and uh, you know they they might sacrifice job opportunities or or finances. Um, because of what they believe in and because of their faith, but God won't, will not forsake that. So, um, and, and I, can, I can speak for his, firsthand for that. There's times where there's opportunities to, to, you know, you have something at your grasp, but it, it you know, if God was there, you, there's no way you would ever even consider doing that. So, um, it's difficult, but um, God rewards uh, faithfulness. So, uh, I have two examples. One is when I was about 18 years old. So this is maybe for the, uh, the younger uh, youth or young adults. That I remember I was doing job training with a group of people that obviously I didn't know. And at lunch, I ended up sitting at a table with, with these two people. And they were actually talking about their favorite clubs where they would go uh, Friday nights, Saturday nights. And so they were each taking a turn. And, well, I was the third person. So then they go, what about you, Jonathan? I said, to be honest, I've never been to a club and I've never been drunk in my life. And they looked at me as if I was from another planet, number one. <laughs> Uh, but number two, I said, quite frankly, I think it's just dumb that you would get to such a point where you're not in control of yourself. 
I said, how responsible is that? And they looked at me as if I was like their parent and then said, you know what? I never thought of it like that. You're right. And so I say all that to say, um, be who you are. And I hope that that's a good thing to be who you are, number one. And then when I was older, uh, I was again at FedEx, um, there was, there were two schools of people. There was one, one guy who would tell everyone, hey, don't swear around him, he's a man of the cloth. And I didn't hide the fact that I went to Bible school. I didn't hide the fact that I was a pastor in transition. I just was very honest with everyone who asked. So this man would say, hey, don't swear around Jonathan, he's a man of the cloth. And so there was a group of people that would be careful. There was another school of people um, that didn't care. And in fact, uh, three out of four bosses were, were gay. And I had to, you know, do work life with these people. And they were very different than the other friend who said, he's a man of the cloth. They actually didn't respect anything to do with the fact that I was a minister. And I, I, I believe what the Bible says about sin and the sin of homosexuality. And the practice of it. And so, uh, what did I do in face of that? Nothing. I stayed true to who I was, but I didn't push my belief on them. I worked hard. They actually appreciated me as a worker. And my boss promoted me without me even asking. And they gave me more money and more hours. And I thank God for that. And I say all of that to say that you need to be who God made you to be. And that includes love. And you do your work well, people can have nothing against you. Um, but if you go there to preach, when you're paid to work, then you're going to get yourself into some sticky mess and hot water, especially from your boss. And so um, what I say is, if given the opportunity, sure, speak. When we would sort mail, we had the opportunity to chat. And I'll never forget the day where this one guy, I was away for a week. When I came back, he said, I was looking for you all of last week. I said, why? He's like, oh, because my mom died and the hospital made a mistake and she passed away as a result. And he said, but I remember you told me your mom died a few years ago. He said, uh, and I wanted to find you because I'm so angry and so upset. You see, I never preached a message to any of my coworkers, but they knew me and they knew what God had done in my life. And sometimes that's the greatest sermon you will preach at work is just by sharing your story and working hard and the door of opportunity will open. So to, to work with different people, it's inevitable almost unless you work in a church. And even at that, I have to deal with Spencer every day. <laughs> it's a joke. But we have a lot of fun and uh, you make the most of every opportunity. Awesome. Uh, question number three. My employer is asking me to do things that are unethical and that would ultimately compromise my integrity. Should I quit? So I haven't really personally had a lot of this unless I don't realize it. Um, but for me, I, uh, where I am right now, they're really big on like compliance and best practice, following best practices and keeping to standards and having a really high level of standards. In fact, we just um, underwent some compliance stuff from the government and we got a hundred percent. So we're pretty serious about this stuff. And it was like a big deal. They like, sent all these memos and stuff. So 
I, whenever there's something that I don't feel comfortable with, now I have gotten the guts up to say, well, it doesn't, like, I think this is unethical if we say something like this or if we position ourselves this way, we make this choice um, within my sphere of the kind of work I do. And, and then I, I try to, like, tie it to, like, some authority, right? So usually my own professional, like, um, uh, best practices, I draw on that. And, and usually that seems to work. So if you have, like, hopefully if you have, like, um, w whether it's a profession or, like, a, if you're answerable in your profession to, to a body, like I am, right? If I were to behave unprofessionally, I, I could lose my designation, which... I just got it, so I don't want to lose it. And they really respect that there, that I, I actually work to do that. So if that's an opportunity, um, then draw on it and be respectful about it. Sorry, and be respectful about it. But just, you know, like you have to do a little bit of thinking about how you'll position it. But I would say just draw on like the best practice or any kind of um, uh, rules that you need to follow. Not smarmy, but really serious. Yeah. Uh, I think there's... Um a really fine line between submitting to authority and compromising what you believe. So uh, it's, I mean, thankfully I've, I've never been in that position, but um, I'd like to think that I would take the stand that, you know, if, if um, you know, the person above me is, is telling me that I have to do this, um, you know, if, if they won't reason with me, I'll, you know, I, I, I would make it very clear that I, I, and choosing to take a stand against whatever it is that um, they're they're indicating we have to do that is unethical, and um, I mean I wouldn't necessarily say I, I, I quit, but if um, if you if I would have to choose between doing that unethical practice and uh, and and leaving, then I, I probably would just uh, have to leave. But uh, I, I think sometimes um, when we take a stand for what is right. Uh, again, it depends on the situation, but um, you know, if if God's hand is on your life, many times He can stir uh, the hearts of you know kings and 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 owners and presidents and everything. And um, you know, sometimes in in the spur of the moment, you might be be tempted to respond with, "Okay, well, if you're going to make me do that, I'm I'm going to quit then." But uh, again, patience and, and, and wisdom is something that can go a long way because if, if you make it very clear, okay, well, you know, um, I, I don't agree with that. I believe we, it would, we would be better off taking this direction. Um, and, and sometimes, again, it might be um, something that can take time, but people's uh, mentalities c could potentially change, so good um my mind takes me to the book of daniel where daniel and king darius they pass a law and i think we talked about this not long ago but uh, he had the choice to either stop praying to god or to pray as he always did daniel chose and don't forget he was promoted he had rank in his in his work uh, king darius loved him and he chose to still pray to God. And he said, I don't care. He ended up in the lion's den, but he wasn't killed. And then I'm reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who said, you're, you're to bow and worship the golden statue, and you hear the music playing, and they never did. 
And they were thrown into the furnace, but guess what? They weren't burned up either. And so I agree with Abraham and, and what you've been saying um, as well, Karen, that we need to, to draw the line and understand, okay, here's, you're my, my boss, uh, my employer, but as well, I cannot compromise what I believe is, is true. And, um, and there are things that I just won't do. And, uh, and I think we need to be okay with that knowing, let's take those two examples from the book of Daniel, that God is always with us. And if you're going to lose your job, well, maybe it's just because God is preparing another bigger door, better opportunity to open for us. So that's my 10 cents. Let me ask you um, an add-on question from that. Um, let's say necessarily your employer isn't asking you to do something, but let's say the company as a whole stands for something that you don't stand for. Let me give you an example. I work for Starbucks. Starbucks is very um, proud about their stance on gay pride and, and all that stuff. And um, I haven't really dealt with it. They're very quiet about it in the actual workplace. But there was a time um, back in, when I was working in Niagara that they came out with uh, Starbucks t-shirts with pride. And people started actually wearing them as they were working. And it got to the point where I considered leaving that job because I questioned the two sides of if I'm standing with these people and they're wearing these t-shirts does that mean that I'm a part of this team and people see that or do I stay and be a light so answer that question um, as a company as a whole should you stay and be a light if their morals as a whole maybe not even morals just stance um, isn't exactly what you stand for Question number one was, I prayed for a job and God gave it to me. <laughs> so the, if God gave you the job, stay and be a light. Um, but if, if you have other opportunity, I, it's a hard question, to be quite honest. Can I take your specific Absolutely. example? I would say, I'm happy to come to work, but I'm just going to wear my black t-shirt. And I don't mind if everyone else wears their pride t-shirt. I'm happy to come and work because I love coming to work. Uh, I just cannot do that. If they have, you know, if they say, oh, well, you're not being compliant, well, then let HR deal with it. And I trust God through the process of it. But again, I'm not going to compromise that. Also in school, um, you know, pink day, anti-bullying and all that. I, I used to think it was about, like, kids picking on kids, like being a, a, um, a schoolyard bully. But the actual undertones are to deal with the LGBTQ stuff and anti-bullying. And so my wife at her school, um, a whole bunch of teachers said, we're all wearing pink shirts for pink day. And my wife had to really consider what is it representing. And she said, I, I'm not going to participate. And I think um, it's up to us at the end of the day. Uh, but I, in terms of from just an, a company perspective, um, I think nowadays it's, it's going to be hard unless you work for yourself. And I know some of you do here in our church. Um, but unless you do that, um, a lot of big companies pour money into the LGBTQ or planned parenting and all of this other stuff. The products we use come from those companies. What are we going to do? 
stop washing our clothes or our dishes, it, it, it's going to be very difficult at that point. So it's hard to answer. But if I was an employee given a specific uh, directive, wear this t-shirt to support this, I would simply say I cannot. For the sake of time, we'll just move on to the next question. Just to clarify, I never had to wear a t-shirt. It was never enforced. Anyways, um, question. um, How do you gracefully transition from one job to the next? So um, you're in a position that God maybe once called you to, but he said, well done, it's time to move on. How do you gracefully do that without feeling um, like you're compromising the call of that God once called you to, um, but moving on to what he, you know he's calling you to. Yeah, quickly. Um, that, that's, that's tough. I've, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of people transition out of positions, and uh, I've, I've seen all kinds of extremes. I've seen the people leave uh, where they're going to never be allowed back and onto the premises. I've seen the people leave where they're, they're missed and you know people want to have them back. Um, and then there's the people that just, uh, kind of, uh, as if they disappeared. But, uh, I, I think as Christians, um, I, I think the goal is again, to always, um, exhibit the, the fruits of the spirit, right? If, if you're, if you're leaving on bad terms, I, I don't think that's, that's ever a good sign. Uh, cause again, uh, when someone is a Christian, the, the, you know, if they're not a Christian, oh, that guy, you know, he's gone. But when they're a Christian, oh, that guy, you know, he called himself a Christian and look what he left behind. It's always like you have that mark. So, uh, I, I again, when God calls you onto something else, you know, you have to, you have to do what you have to do. But I think, um, things should be done gracefully and, and, uh, and, and with wisdom, so. For sure. Awesome. We're going to move on to the next question. You, I, I want you to answer that, Karen and PJ. Um, is it okay for my wife to be the breadwinner? Is it wrong to be a stay-at-home dad? Based on what the Bible says. Um, at, at our house, we see it as we're a team and Absolutely. we contribute. So there have been different times where one of us makes more than the other. But I think just uh, um, appreciating that God created the family. He created that, yeah, the husband has authority over the wife. But at the same time, that the wife would support the husband in so many other ways. And so seeing it as you're a team, you're working together to do what's best for your family, raise your child, um, fulfill your purpose uh, on your Absolutely. mission field. Um, I think... I think getting away from looking at the dollars and cents, although you do have to make a budget, but getting away from the dollars and cents and the inequalities in that um, line of things and really looking at how you come together. And I'm not saying we have all the answers. Like, we've, we've had to work on that, too. Like, sometimes we came from very traditional families, so sometimes you have to kind of say, okay, like, what worked in our traditional family? What can we do differently? And, you know, just just really remember that you're a team. Like, you, you have to come together because what are you sharing with everyone else around you and what are you sharing with your kids? And that's easier said than done, but I think just always working as a team. So however that works, maybe there's an opportunity and you need to t- take it up and um, maybe it goes against what you, what you would have thought you would have done before, but every life's, challenge, like life's full of challenges and some of them make us grow. And I would say my work life has been 
it's been an incredible chance for growth. So just look for where, where the opportunities for growth are in that experience. It's awesome. Could I, could I quickly input something? Because yes. <laughs> I have a fairly strong stance on this. So I, I think that question is a two-way street. Um, I think regardless of whether it's the, the wife that's at home or the husband that's at home, um, again, the, the Bible calls us to work and to, to, you know, to work diligently. Um, and, and when, you know, when God created the earth, he looked back and he said it was good. So when, you know, it, whether it's the wife or the husband that's at home, uh, what I don't think is it's not fair. Let's say the husband gets home and the wife's been home all day and, and you know, the wife hasn't accomplished much. Um, I, I don't think that's fair because that's not being diligent. And, and, but in the same light, if the husband does have to be at home, which I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, if he's working and being productive, uh, I, I think that's, that's, that's work in and of itself, right? Because raising a family, um, cleaning and uh, cooking and whatever might be done at home, that is work, right? But what, what it would not be fair is to, for, you know, the wife to come home and the husband has been at home with, with the child all day, but nothing has really been done uh, or vice versa. So, And I was just going to say, you know, if the husband's staying home to play video games... <laughs> then shame on him. But here's a little bit of a different take. Um, My sister had three children, like one after the other, and no knock on my brother-in-law, not Stephanie, my other sister in Australia, so she's too far away for you to tell her. Uh, But uh, And she had three young kids. I think they were under the age of four. And But the expectation of her husband when he would come home was, how come the house is a mess? Why is lunch not made or dinner not made? Uh, what did you do all day? And my sister would get so upset. And as a father now of three kids, all under the age of five myself, I look and I say, I, I totally get what my sister was doing. She was running around trying to keep the, the kids from burning down the house. And, um, and yes, the kids make a mess. And if the house is messy, it doesn't mean you did nothing. And I'm not hitting on that. It's just, it's another total realm. And it's like, oh my goodness, dinner's not even done. And I'm still trying to deal with all of the kids. So, um, again, within reason, but Karen, I think you hit it right. It's you as husband and wife, you're a team. And however you decide to play the game, then you play it well and you do it. So with that, I just want to give some closing thoughts and uh, we could just stay like this uh, so we don't waste any more time. But I want to leave with you some scripture um, to encourage you and uh, to just kind of seal everything that we've been talking about. So work is our responsibility. And I want to, if we're going to rapid fire these verses, so just write the reference. First Timothy 5, 8. And this is what it says. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So it's, it's our responsibility. And then Proverbs twenty eight nineteen, speaking on how we are to focus on the work we've been given. Proverbs twenty eight nineteen says, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. But he who follows worthless pursuits, i.e. video games and the likes, will have plenty of poverty. 
On work ethic, Ecclesiastes 11, verses 4 and 6 say this, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon, for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both. And then what the Bible says about your skill set, Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. And that's what I think you were alluding to. God has the ability to put you before kings. And on laziness, in case some of us need to hear this, Proverbs 10 uh, says, Idle hands make one poor, but diligent hands bring riches. The son who gathers during summer is prudent. The son who sleeps during harvest is disgraceful. Proverbs 22, uh, 24, excuse me, verses 33 and 34. Some of us might be like this. It says this, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands for rest, and your poverty will come running, and your lack like an armed warrior. Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 11, we're almost done. You lazy fool, look at an ant. Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer it stores up food. At harvest it stockpiles provisions. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life. Poverty, your permanent house guest. I know they're harsh words, but it's Proverbs chapter 6. And then here's how we're going to wrap everything up this morning. And uh, I pray that you've enjoyed our time together. I pray it's, it's a change. It's not a sermon per se. Uh, it's a conversation on, on work life. And how we are to do everything as unto the Lord. And Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says this, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. So everything we do, whether you love your job or you despise it for this season, do it well. Do it as unto the Lord, because ultimately you're doing it for Him. And I want you to know that great is your reward when that's your, your perspective. It's a biblical, godly perspective. My prayer is that wherever we go, we're not ashamed to, to let people know who we are if they ask. And we let the light of Christ shine. The opposite of that is, I'm a different person during the week than I am on the weekend at church. Um, I, I don't reflect the light of Christ well. The fruit of the Spirit is not evident in my life. And if someone were to actually call me out and say, aren't you a Christian? I would be kind of like Peter and deny the fact that I attend Weston Road. We don't have those kind of people in our church. And I'm going to pray that God would empower each and every one of us to be the best worker our bosses have ever seen. Can somebody say amen? If you work for yourself, God will give you strength to impress yourself with what you're able to do. Would you stand to your feet as we close in prayer?
Again, if you have questions, next week's topic is money matters. And uh, we're going to deal with all questions pertaining to money. Is money evil? Whatever, whatever you want to ask. We're going to have a panel and we're going to tackle your questions. And God willing, um, we will grow from it. So let us pray today. As we close, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful opportunity uh, we've had to have a conversation about something that everyone is supposed to do. We're all supposed to contribute to the economy and to work. Lord, I pray that uh, if there's anyone here today who this has been a sensitive topic because maybe they've been unemployed and, and I felt this burden all week as I've been preparing, that God, you are about to open up a door that they've been waiting for. And I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you that work is not our idea. It was yours. You put uh, Adam and Eve in the garden and said, work the land and keep it. And God, I know that you give us the ability. And I pray that tomorrow as our alarm rings and we get up, may the joy of the Lord be our strength. And Father, let us remember that the 9 to 5 is our assignment for this season. I pray that you would release your anointing even now on every single person who sets out to go to work tomorrow. And may they do it willingly and with gladness and joy. Father, I pray that if co-workers have seen a very different uh, version of us, that tomorrow they would see the real person you created us to be. God, help us to work our best, to hustle, to do a great job, and to outperform every single other person. I think of Joseph in the, in the Bible. Who, who received promotion after promotion because favor was on him. And I speak favor now over every child of God that, Lord, you are empowering us to change our world from the inside out. Lord, let it, let it happen at work as well, I pray. And I, God, I just thank you for this day. Bless us as we go now. Bless our food that we will eat and the company that we will have around the table. May we talk about what it is that we learned this morning. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of your Holy Spirit accompany us as we go in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. God bless you. Send in those questions. Info at westernroadchurch.com. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.